Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, we're going to catch up with Jeff Ma from ProTrade.com. We'll chat about whether or not free agent Alex Rodriguez is worth $30 million per season. We'll also discuss the big Colts-Patriots matchup in the NFL this weekend. In segment four, SportsSense, Larry Miller, he's the president of the Portland Trailblazers, the former president of the Jordan brand, as in Michael Jordan's Nike brand. Miller left Nike after 10 years there this June to become the Trailblazers president and help the NBA team rebuild their brand. Miller is one of the true power brokers in the world of sports, so it'll be good to get his insight in segment four of today's show. A couple of other notes. Visit our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can listen to us on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm joined by Nathan Roach in studio. Nathan, you win the World Series prediction contest. We both predicted the Red Sox, but you had them in... I think five games, I had him in six. They won in four, so I'll give you props. Wow, thank you. But what a yawn of a World Series. I mean, I could barely even tune in for the last game, a four-game sweep. Congratulations to the Red Sox. But it was so boring. We've seen this happen a couple times in the last few years. Yeah, a sweep is the worst thing that could happen for Fox because they've sold out games five, six, and seven, and basically they're leaving money on the table and have to refund that to the sponsors. Couple make goods. Yeah, a lot of make goods. So a sweep is the worst thing that could happen. The good news is the ratings for the games that were played were up over the last two years, mainly because of Red Sox Nation, and the Red Sox were in it. Another big thing this week, and we'll talk about this on the show in several places, Alex Rodriguez, basically game four, the seventh inning, Alex Rodriguez and Scott Boras decide, hey, who cares about the World Series? We're going to announce that we're opting out. I thought it was classless and very poor timing. Yeah, but would you expect anything less than that from Alex Rodriguez? Right now we're seeing that A-Rod is not being picked up by anybody, and he hasn't performed in the postseason, and that's why right now. Lots of headlines coming up. Martina Hingis, tennis player, very bizarre story this week. Joe Torre. No longer with the Yankees, but he's got a new place that he's going to call home starting next season. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
This is Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Yankees third baseman Alex Rodriguez is opting out of the final three years of his 10-year, $252 million contract with the team, foregoing the $91 million left on his deal to become a free agent. Nathan, I can't remember in the history of sports an athlete leaving this much guaranteed money on the table, $91 million. But the good news, the happiest guy in America this week, Christmas came early for Texas Rangers owner Tom Hicks. He saves $21.3 million because, don't forget, he was paying part of the freight on A-Rod. Yeah, and you know what I find very humorous here is nobody so far has picked up A-Rod, and he's still out there on the table. And, you know, like I said in segment one, until you perform in the playoffs, A-Rod's got great individual numbers, but he has not yet led his team to a world championship. Until you can do that, People don't want you. Teams don't want you. Well, and some people say that uh, the Yankees may come back to the bargaining table with Alex Rodriguez. I am not one of those people. He uh, forewent a meeting with Hank and Hal Steinbrenner before he opted out. I don't think that set very well with them. So possible suitors, the Giants, the Angels, the Red Sox, the White Sox, maybe even the Dodgers. The Dodgers in our next headline Joe Torre was hired Thursday to manage the Los Angeles Dodgers, taking the job two weeks after walking away from the New York Yankees. His contract is for three years at approximately $13 million. I think it's a terrific move for the Dodgers. Not only does Torre command respect in the clubhouse, but he's won many championships. He's been a broadcaster in Los Angeles. He is well familiar with the territory there. I just think he's a guy that's going to give them instant credibility. Absolutely. And going back to A-Rod, if A-Rod joins the Dodgers, A-Rod has a lot of respect for Torrey, has great things to say about him, and frankly, I don't think it's going to happen. I would love to see Torrey lead the L.A. Dodgers to the championship, beating the New York Yankees in the World Series next year. Don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love to see it. We'll see. This is the sixth different manager for the Dodgers in the last 11 years. We remember Tommy Lasorda was there forever. Now they're going through uh, managers like people change their underwear. I mean, it's just ridiculous how many managers they're going through there. We'll see how long Torrey sticks. I think the more power they give him, the better off they're going to be. And look for Don Mattingly, who lost out on the Yankees managerial job to Joe Girardi, who's now the manager of the Yankees. He may go with Torrey to Los Angeles. That would be quite a coup for the Dodgers. Our next headline, the game of the year in the NFL. We may not see a better game than this all year long, including the Super Bowl. The Patriots, the Colts, both undefeated. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. The Patriots are in the midst of a historic season. I think, Nathan, this game may get a 20 rating, which would make it one of the highest-rated programs on all of TV. When you put it up against Dancing with the Stars, American Idol, anyone else, it would be one of the highest-rated programs of the year. I agree with you, and I know that you think the, the Patriots are going to blow them out of the water, and, and I love to disagree with you, but I agree with you on that. I think the game will stay close until the second half, and I think the Pats will really pull ahead then. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a trick bet. I think it's a five-and-a-half-point underdog for the Colts at home. I think people are going to go, gosh, I'm going to take the Colts at home as the dog. I think the Patriots win by two touchdowns. We'll see what happens. Last season's AFC championship game between the Patriots and Colts, 
earned a 26.4 rating. So this game is on CBS. It's a 4.15 p.m. Eastern start. It could be enormous ratings. Our next headline, the New York Giants and Miami Dolphins, they played in London. It drew 81,000 fans. Pretty good turnout in London. Excellent turnout in London. I think this opens the door for more NFL games in Europe. I know they've talked about actually having the Super Bowl over there in a couple years. We'll have to wait and see, but certainly better than I thought that they were going to do over there. And it's all going to come down to do the owners and the players want to make the long trip abroad to Europe, whether they're going to Mexico City, which is obviously a little bit closer. We've seen those two venues used in the last three years for games. But the NFL wants to expand their brand abroad like the NBA, like Major League Baseball. We'll see what happens here. Our next headline, the two opening NBA games on TNT on Tuesday averaged a 1.5 U.S. household Nielsen rating. That's about 2 million viewers. That's down 25% from last year. That's not good news for the NBA. And the NBA, don't forget, they're coming off of the lowest rated NBA Finals in league history, Nate. Yeah, you know, it, it, to me, it almost felt like nobody knew that the NBA, you know, the games had started yet last night. I just didn't hear a lot of buzz around the sports industry and around town, so they need to pick it up, but it's so early right now, we'll have to see what happens. Our next headline, Lakers owner Jerry Buss did not attend the Rockets-Lakers season opener Tuesday. He won't attend the, uh, he didn't attend the Lakers-Suns game on Friday. He was suspended for two games and fined $25,000 by NBA Commissioner David Stern after pleading guilty to misdemeanor drunk driving in September. Here's my question. Before last season, the NBA owners instituted a code of conduct policy. If you're going to suspend Jerry Buss for two games, fine him $25,000, how in the world can you not suspend and fine New York Knicks owner James Dolan, who has been in an absolute embarrassment to the league with his sexual harassment trial with Isaiah Thomas in the offseason. How do you not penalize that guy? I was just going to say, not just Dolan, but Isaiah Thomas as well. Neither one of these two face any suspension. And Jerry Buss, don't get me wrong, a DUI is bad news. Bad 25,000, two games, well-deserved for Jerry Buss. But you're right, how do you not find Dolan and the New York Knicks? It blows my mind. Our last headline of the week, in an out-of-nowhere end to Martina Hingis's comeback, the five-time Grand Slam champion, Revealed Thursday she tested positive for cocaine at Wimbledon. She's going to retire for a second time rather than fight what she called a horrendous accusation. She broke down in tears, said that she is not guilty, but instead of face a two-year ban, she's decided to retire instead. This is a bizarre story. It's completely bizarre, and I'm not saying she is or is not guilty, but you know what? If it's your face and you want to save face, you fight that until the end, even if it takes two years. To just quit like that tells you a little something about her character. Even though we've seen that that's gotten Floyd Landis nowhere. Our next segment coming up, Jeff Maul from ProTrade.com. We're going to talk about Alex Rodriguez. Is anyone, including Alex Rodriguez, worth $30 million a year. We'll discuss that and more. Coming up next, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000. The year before you bought the Mavericks, they were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ryan Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturdays, (laughs) or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Experts say buy what you know, and you know sports, right? But is it a good buy? For an insider's look at sports on Wall Street, Sports Business Radio presents Stock Up, Stock Down. My guest is Jeff Ma. He's with ProTrade.com. He joins us every month for our regular segment here on Sports Business Radio. Jeff, thanks for uh, making some time for us. No problem. Thanks for having me. So I first want to start off, you're a numbers guy, and um, Alex Rodriguez, he is the king of individual statistics. There's no arguing the numbers that he has put up in his career to date. They are mind-boggling. He had an MVP season for the Yankees last year. But is there anyone out there that's worth $30 million a year? I think that's a difficult question. I mean, it's it would be one thing if there was a salary cap in baseball, and then you could you would clearly have a way to kind of understand what people are worth. I mean, when you look at um, when you, whenever you look at a, a player's worth, when it comes to uh, his his the numbers he's putting up, you need something to compare him to, and you need something rel- relative. And and so the only thing really to do is compare his salary relative to other players' salaries. So from that standpoint, it, it's hard to believe that he'd be worth that much, given the fact that. You know, there are a lot of guys out there, you know, the pre-ARB guys and the guys that are pre-free agency who are so cheap, who really bring the whole um, level or the whole idea of what a baseball player is worth down. Now, that being said, because there's no salary cap, and and even if you look at um, a guy like Barry Bonds in his heyday, um, we used to do a a fair amount of of statistical analysis looking at salaries, and, and one of the things that we found was that Barry Bonds in his heyday was worth the money that he was getting paid and was even worth more was worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 million dollars so when you look at an alex rodriguez and the numbers he put up um, i think he could be worth that if he plays shortstop i think relative to the rest of the shortstops out there his performance is so great and and his impact in the field is could be great also Um, but as a third baseman with the number of errors he's put up in the past couple of years um, I find it hard to believe that he'd be worth that $30 million. Yeah, and I mean, this is a business show, so there's two ways to look at his worth. One is from a brand perspective. What is he going to mean to TV ratings, to ticket sales, to merchandise sales? And the other way to look at it is, what is he going to mean to his team on the field? Is he going to get them to a world championship? And, you know, so far, the answer to question number two is, Alex Rodriguez has never played in a World Series. Yes, he's meant some good numbers at the box office to his teams, but I just still have a hard time believing. You know, we talked to Josh Burns a few weeks ago, the GM of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and you look at how that team was built, how the Rockies were built. If you put all of your money into one player, maybe you're not as good at other positions, and it's hurting your team overall. Well, let me answer your first point, which was the two different types of worth. I, I would argue and say that there really is only one kind of worth. I mean, when you win games and you go to championships, your team and your franchise makes more money. Right. I mean, how great would the Yankees have felt if they had 
um, you know, how, how much more value would there be in the Yankees overall if they'd played another two series, if they'd won another World Series, and on and on and on, regardless of the brand that Alex Rodriguez brings to them. Now, when you when you ask the question of, well, look at all the way all these teams are built, I mean, especially even if you look at the Red Sox, I mean, the real values on the Red Sox are those guys like Ellsbury and John Lester and things like that. Um, they are the guys that, you know, make the, you know, the minimum and, and are the teams do have control over. The free agents never are going to be good uh, money. You're never going to get a free agent for good money. And that's sort of one of the lessons that, you know, Moneyball and all those other uh, type books that analyze the way that baseball dollars are spent, that, that's one of the lessons it teaches you. Now, um, I spoke to a certain owner who probably wouldn't want me throwing around his name, and he said he would welcome, you know, A-Rod coming to uh, a team in his division because he's never been on a winning team. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, very true statement. So look into your crystal ball. There's probably only a handful of teams, if that, that can afford an Alex Rodriguez. Who are the teams that are going to be in play for A-Rod uh, in the next few months? Well, I mean, I think everyone has talked about the, the you know, the Dodgers certainly and, and the Red Sox might be another option. And, and I, I don't think that, um, you know, Boris would have let him opt out of this unless he had some, some people in mind to go after. I mean, right. I think the Angels maybe would be another person. Um, I have a dark horse in this, and the dark horse is the New York Yankees. Because I think that even though they're staunch right now saying that, you know, they if he opts out, he's gone and that kind of thing. Uh, I think that this was, you know, Boris's way of telling the Yankees they he, he meant business. They meant business, and um, maybe this is their way of trying to get the most out of the Yankees that they can. Well, the two teams that you didn't mention that I think are also dark horses, the San Francisco Giants, they're going to need a way to uh, bring people to that park now that Bonds is not going to be doing that anymore, even though he didn't really do that this year. And then the Chicago White Sox. Jerry Reinsdorf has paid big money to free agents before Albert Bell, and he's used to paying a guy like Michael Jordan uh, $30 million or more to play for him. So I don't think you can uh, completely uh, discount them as well. I want to talk to you for a moment, Jeff. Uh, I'm joined by Jeff Ma from ProTrade.com. I want to talk to you about the NBA. The season is underway, and uh, several different things that we can talk about. Number one, Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, here's another person who may be changing teams, and you talk about a player's worth to a team. A, do you think Kobe is going to be changing addresses? And B, do you think the Lakers can get anywhere near fair value for him? Well, I think that they won't trade him unless they feel like they are. I think they made the mistake on Shaq in their minds, and it's like once bitten, twice shy. So I, I think that they are or twice bitten, once shy, whatever that expression is. <laughs> I got you. The, the reality of, of this whole thing is that, um, you know, Kobe is incredibly valuable, if not the most valuable player in the league, one of the top three. Um, so it's going to be hard for them to get back that kind of value now. If you look at a team and what they're talking about doing potentially with the Chicago, um, you know, getting back uh, Ben Gordon and getting back uh, Tyrus Thomas and getting back uh, if they could if they could get back a Luol Dang and that kind of thing, well then I think you're talking about a, a deal that rebuilds the Lakers. Um, I think I think that you know it, it, I think the Lakers are going to be very reluctant to trade him, given what happened with the Shaq situation. So. Um, I'd love to see him out of there. I think that it would it would it would be very interesting to see him come all of a sudden to the, the Bulls and see what the Bulls do. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I mean, again, I think it's one of those things that you know uh, Jerry Buss is going to be very very reluctant to let that happen. 
Let's look into your crystal ball again. Uh, I know you're a Boston guy. you got to be excited about the Celtics. What else do you see happening this season uh, as far as your uh, NBA Finals picks? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that I'm pretty excited about the Celtics, clearly. I mean, it's, you know, they are a very fashionable pick right now with the big three that they've gotten in. And, you know, maybe um, enough uh, role players around those guys to make it work. Um, I remember the first time I ever met Kevin Pritchard, uh, the general manager of uh, the Troublers, I believe you have on from time to time. Yes. He said to me, and this is way back when he was just a director of player personnel for the uh, for the Trailblazers. He said to me, you know, because he had been working with the Spurs. He said the model in the NBA is get three superstars and then fill out the right. roster with guys who are willing to go through the wall for those guys. So the uh, the clearly um, the Celtics have gotten those three superstars, and I, I think that they they did a good job getting them there. Um, so I think it's really just going to see how it plays out. Now, the, the one concern is that, you know, these guys are not spring chickens. I mean, they are um, on the other side of the, you know, where where they're, where an injury or even a nagging injury could, could play a really large role in derailing what they have going on there. Um, so, I, you know, as fashionable pick as they are right now, um, I still like the, the Bulls in the East. I mean, I think the Bulls, especially if they were able to put this thing together for Kobe, but even without that, I like what, what they, where they are um, right now as far as what they've built, what they did last year, and sort of the disappointment that they had last year, um, which I believe has really fueled them for this season. And who do you like in the West? Um, I, you know, I, I, like, I like the Suns. Um, I, I don't believe in the Mavericks just because I think that you know, they really get exposed in the playoffs. Um, not having a real low post presence really hurts them. And I think um, the Suns with the healthy Amari Stoudemire really gave um, San Antonio um, some problems. And if you believe in any sort of um, any sort of uh, karma or anything like that, given what happened to the Suns last year, yeah. you know, that this could be the year for them to kind of bounce back. I obviously think the Spurs are a team to beat out there, but you just have to think that the Suns are the much hungrier team, and maybe that plays out well um, when it comes in, comes down to a seventh game in a series. Well, I absolutely agree with you on the Suns. I think this is going to be their year, and I have the Celtics in the East. I made that prediction last week. We've got a few minutes left, and I want to talk to you about the Colts and the Patriots. I have not eagerly anticipated a regular season NFL game like this one in a long, long time. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big Patriots fan, so obviously you're not going to get the most impartial answer for me. Um, this is this is the way I see it. I mean, I think that the Patriots again, you know, talk about the hungrier team. They have earmarked this game ever since the end of last season, and it's very, 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 um, you know, it, it's a, it's going to be a very great matchup for them because um, the one thing that the that the Colts really have going for them. I believe, is that they should be able to get some pressure on Tom Brady without blitzing him. The numbers this year that Brady has put up when teams have blitzed him are unbelievable. I mean, he's completing close to 75% of his passes. I think he's thrown something like eight touchdowns when teams blitz him. So you cannot blitz Tom Brady, but you need to get pressure on him. And the Colts are probably one of the few teams that can get pressure on him with their front four. Now, that being said, I just think that the Patriots are simply a better team than the Colts are right now. And I think that, you know, depending on what happens with the Patriots going forward in terms of, I mean, the one scary thing is they're missing their best defensive player so far this year. So they get him back and things change even more for them on defense. So 
I like the Patriots this weekend, and I agree with you that this is just a really, really exciting game. That you know, it's it's crazy if you look at what the Vegas lines makers have done with this game to make the Colts a five-point underdog at home, a seven and zero team coming off a Super Bowl victory, a seven and uh, a five-point underdog. Yeah, and I home. I think it's a total trick play because I'm going to tell everyone right now. I think the Patriots win this game by two touchdowns or more. I think they're going to come in and flat out just boat race them. Yeah, and and you know what? I mean, we we recorded a video segment earlier for ProTrade.com because we've been uh, launching video on the site, and, and one of the things that I mean, I basically predicted the same thing. I saw, said the Patriots win by more than a touchdown. So I'm with you on that. Um, but you know, again, it, it's just crazy if you think about. It from a from an outside point of view, the fact that this is the defending Super Bowl champion seven and zero, and they are, you know, giving five points at home. Yeah, and it just tells you how impressive, how historically impressive the Patriots have been so far this season. Jeff, that's all the time we have. I really appreciate you making time for us. Jeff Ma, co-founder of ProTrade.com. You can read him online at ProTrade.com. Jeff, we'll catch up with you next month. All right, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on. You take care. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Larry Miller. He's the president of the NBA's Portland Trailblazers. He's the former president of the Nike's Jordan brand. Larry, thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem, Brian. Glad to be here. So, Larry, first question I've got to ask. Uh, you had such tremendous success at Nike, and you probably could have continued working there for the next decade or, or more. What about the Portland Trailblazers opportunity attracted you? Well, you know, Brian, you're, you're absolutely right. I had a great, great time at Nike. Um, had a great job and a great experience there. Uh, Nike is a, a fantastic company with a bunch of wonderful people and smart people, and I learned a lot there. And it was really a tough decision for me to decide to to leave there and come and take this job. But, um, you know, one of the, I guess, main things, I moved here to Portland about 15 years ago. And when I moved here was during the time that uh, the city had a, had a tremendous love affair with the team. And to see that wane over the years, just, uh, you know, being, becoming a fan and seeing that, uh, that, that, relationship between the fans and the team deteriorate uh to me to have an opportunity to be a part of bringing that back was just something that was really really appealing to me i knew it was going to be a challenge and also i felt that the team had already made some 
some really great strides in moving in the right direction. I think uh, Kevin Pritchard and Nate uh, McMillan are, you know, were great moves with this team, and I think they've done some really good things over the last few years. And to come in and be a part of, uh, you know, helping to reestablish that love affair between this, this, this area and the team was something that was really appealing to me. Now, I know you give credit to others for kind of laying the groundwork before you got there, but I'm sure you have some ideas of your own. Under your leadership, what are some of your goals for reconnecting the Trailblazers to the community and the fans again? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, and again, to to your point earlier, some of the groundwork has already been laid, but I think, um, you know, one of the things that I, I believe uh, people here look for is, uh, you know, character of the team is really an important part of, of what people here look for. Um, I think folks here feel like they want to want our team to be, you know, guys that they wouldn't mind living next door to. Sure. And I, I, I don't, I think we had kind of gotten away from that. And so to me, um, that, that's a big part of it. And again, that's something that was started with, with, uh, with Kevin and that Paul, Paul Allen was already on that page. And so for me to be able to come in and make a contribution to trying to, uh, you know, reestablish the fact that we are a team that is about character. Uh, I think that that's a big part of it uh, uh, for me as well. And then I think just, uh, you know, our brand, the Blazer brand to me, and this is something that I, I bring from my Nike and Jordan days, but to me brands represent a promise to consumers and to fans. And I think the Blazer brand represents a promise to our fans that we – you know, maybe haven't been living up to over over the years, and I think to get back to making sure that people know that what this brand represents and what they believe this brand represents, that's what we're really about, and we're showing people that. Good segue to my next question about brand building. You've worked with Jansen, you've worked with Nike, the Jordan brand, some very big, big brands. What are the two to three core philosophies uh, to keep in mind when building a brand? Well, I, I think number one is um, to to clearly know and identify who your consumer is. So really saying, you know, this is my core consumer. This is who I'm going to focus all my energy and my effort on as far as what my brand is going to be communicating. And then I think the second important one is to stay true to that and to really, you know, stay focused on making sure that the things that you are about as a brand you maintain that because sometimes it can be easy to, uh, you know, to kind of stray and say, okay, hey, we're going to we're going to go this direction or we're going to do this because it sounds good. And you just have to evaluate all those things and look at all those things and say, are these consistent with who we are as a brand? Are these things that we're doing consistent with the promise that we're making to our consumers as a brand? And I think if you do that, then that you that gets you a long way to really building and establishing a brand that can sustain because at the end of the day that's really what you want to do you want to build a brand you want to be a brand that has sustainability and the way to do that to me is to stay true to who you are and to uh, stay true to your promise to consumers I'm joined by Larry Miller. He's the president of the NBA's Portland Trailblazers. You have a new campaign. It's actually called Rise With Us. The, the idea is that we have a young team, um, a, really a good team, but it's a young team. And sure. we know that we're building. We're, we've got a ways to go. We're not there. But we want our fans to know that we're on a journey, and this journey is to rise to a level that we all want to see this team get to. 
and we want the fans here and the the people that are in this area to to know that we want them to go on this journey with us and we want to invite them to be a part of this journey as this team rises as this young team grows and develops and you know moves to that caliber of uh, of being not just a playoff team but you know a championship team as we as we go through that process and as we you know go on that journey that we want we want our fans to go there with us so it's really asking and inviting the fans to rise with us as we go on this journey it's a great idea you know larry i used to work for the blazers back in the early 90s when the team was going to the finals and there was clyde and jerome and terry and uh kevin duckworth and those guys came into the league they were young but they played together and um, the fans grew with them, and then when they enjoyed great success, it was even more enjoyable for the fans because they had kind of grown with this team. And it seems like the Blazers are getting to that point again where they're going to grow with this team, and when the, the success comes around, it's going to be just even more uh, wonderful. Well, that's that's exactly the thinking. We feel like we've got a, a core of young players who are growing together, who are developing together, and we want the fans and the city and the area to grow with us and to understand that, you know, hey, we're on this journey and we think we're headed in the right direction and we want our fans to to go on this journey with us. And if we do that, when we get there, we'll, we'll all enjoy it that much more. It seems like you're a guy that has a sense of uh, history and perspective. Uh, before we, uh, when we were chit-chatting before the interview, you were mentioning that uh, there might be some uh, former players returning to uh, be honored for a game or uh, at least enjoy a game. Can you talk about that at all? Well, um, yeah, we're we're trying to put together uh, kind of a heritage night where we invite uh, you know the starting players from uh, from the, the the teams that that took us uh, almost to the championship level. Uh, and we're hopefully, you know, going to be able to have all those guys be available to come back for a night and, and spend a night here with uh, with our fans. Um, haven't haven't finalized all of it yet, but we think we're pretty close to being able to uh, to have those that those the starting team, the starting players from that team, uh, come back and and spend some uh, spend some time here with the fans. And and we know that uh, you know that team to me, uh, people here still. Uh, you know, have a strong affinity and a strong love for for that team, and um, and we want to make sure that uh, we we stay connected to to our history. To me, uh, you know, heritage and 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 the things that we've done, the great things that this team has done over the years, we we definitely want to stay connected to that as we build into the future. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about your work with Nike and the Jordan brand. Obviously, you got to know Michael Jordan very well as the president of the Jordan brand. You know, most people have seen him on the basketball court, but very few have seen him in the boardroom as you have. I know Michael Jordan is a competitive person on the court. Tell us about the Michael Jordan in the boardroom and the creative side of Michael Jordan, because I know he had a lot to do with the design of his Jordan brand product. Well, um, the competitive nature that Michael brings to the basketball court, he pretty much brings to everything that he does, and including what uh, what goes on from a business perspective. And uh, he, he definitely pushed us. He definitely challenged us to do better and to get better and to improve uh, year in, year out. And, uh, and definitely is, uh, you know, a very astute business person, understands the uh, footwear business at Nike probably better than a lot of the people who, who work there because <laughs> he's just been around it for so sure. long. And 
he, he he's grasped and under and, and grasped an understanding of the business that to me uh, was very very helpful to me uh, in terms of my responsibilities there. Uh, from a creative perspective, um, one of the things that I think made the brand as strong as it's been over the years has been Michael's involvement and his insights from a creative perspective. Uh, I think that's one of the key things that made us different from everybody else is that, um, you know, our designers would sit down and come up with creative ideas for products, be it footwear or apparel, and then sit down with Michael and then have him give his touch to that, his influence to that, his perspective. And I think that was the little edge that always kind of, you know, gave us that advantage that we had, you know, someone with the creative perspective and the creative abilities of uh, Michael Jordan, uh, they're giving us uh, that input to help create a better product. And uh, he, he, he's definitely done a great job at it, uh, worked really closely and really well with the team. But adding his creative perspective, I think, was, was a, a definite uh, advantage for us. Yeah, and it's really an amazing brand, Larry, because, you know, most people when they retire and they fade off into the sunset a little bit and they're not on TV every day, their brands kind of dip a little bit. But his brand continues to be one of the strongest brands out there. And, you know, what do you uh, attribute that to? Well, I, I think, um, you know, I think a lot of it starts, well, it starts with, with Michael and the not just what he did on the basketball court, but the legacy that he created, um, not just as a basketball player, but as an individual both on and off the court. I think that legacy that Michael created um, allowed us, allowed the team that was there to really build on that and create a brand that represented those things that were tied to Michael's legacy. And I think that's what allowed us to be able to build not just the brand, but the business uh, to a level where it, it is, you know, a very successful business and a very successful brand. But again, it starts with the legacy that Michael built on the basketball court um, and on and off the basketball court and the individual that he uh, he is uh, both on and off the basketball court. That's where it started. And that's what allowed us to be able to take that and build on it to create something that, uh, like I said, is not just, I, I think, not just good for today, but it's a brand that's going to be sustainable well into the future. Sure. And, you know, you talk about sustainability. Guys like Derek Jeter, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Ball, they're now Jordan brand endorsers. Was Michael Jordan uh, selecting these players? Was he involved with the selection of these players? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in, these, in, in, in most cases, these players were handpicked by Michael, or he he not, he, he had absolutely um, ha- approved and picked these players and wanted these players to be a part of the brand. And I think, uh, you know, one of the other things that's allowed us to to build the brand that did allow us to build the brand was the maintaining relevance with consumers and maintaining a presence on the field, whether it's the basketball court or the football field or the baseball field, maintaining a presence out there with the brand that still let people know that we were building a product that was built for performance by the best athletes in the world. 
Last question for you. Uh, the 2008 Summer Olympics, they're coming up. I know you were heavily involved uh, with Nike Basketball's efforts to promote that brand globally. I just spent uh, two weeks in China in September and was just astounded at the growth that's taking place over there, the Nike stores, the Adidas stores that are being opened every single day. Can you explain for the typical consumer or listener that's listening to this show why it's so important for companies to get traction in the Chinese market? Well, first of all, I think if you look at just the size of the population there, you can, you know, kind of, and and the economic growth there, you can kind of deduce that if you can uh, get a product that resonates with consumers there, that there's incredible economic opportunity there. And I think basketball is a game that resonates with the Chinese culture. I mean, just what basketball is about in terms of teamwork and excitement and hard work and all those things, I think, just resonate with the culture there in China. And so I think one of the reasons that basketball is such a, um, you know, a growing sport there is just because the sport itself resonates with, with the culture there in China. And I think um, it's the, the the opportunity there for the game of basketball and for all of the products that are associated with the game of basketball and the players, uh, the the opportunity to grow that business there uh, just based on the connection with the culture is, I think, tremendous. And and I think companies, including, you know, Nike, Adidas, all the, the footwear companies, as well as the NBA, is seeing that opportunity and really saying, okay, we need to make sure that we're tapping into that opportunity because uh, you know it's. I, I think it's tremendous. I've been over to to China and seen the reaction that people. I actually traveled there with Michael, and it was wow. amazing. It was just amazing. This was a few years back. The um, the reaction and the response of people there to to Michael Jordan, and I'm sure that um, players like Kobe and. LeBron and Carmelo have gotten the same type responses they've gone well maybe not quite the same type of response as Michael but I'm sure they've had tremendous responses as well and uh it's because the game of basketball clearly resonates and connects with the culture of China and I just think that uh, there's tremendous opportunity there No I agree with you I mean from commissioner David Stern to companies like Nike Adidas the Jordan brand tremendous opportunities over there and and a great job by the league and by those companies promoting basketball over in that market. Larry, I appreciate you making time. Guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses. Morton's a steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. If you want to check out the Trailblazers, go to trailblazers.com, one of the best websites in all of the NBA. Larry, thanks so much, and uh, have a successful season this year. Thank you very much, Brian. You take care. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. All too often, great ideas from the boardroom go unrealized. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every week on Sports Business Radio, I talk to owners and high-level executives who are responsible for overseeing multi-million dollar businesses. And guess what? Sometimes they can't achieve everything they'd like to on their own. That's why I want to tell you about a company that's helping senior-level executives realize their potential and meet their business objectives. Sockeye Inc. is a strategic consulting firm that advises executives on three primary issues business development, corporate social responsibility, and project management. 
Whether it's providing a critical outside perspective or if it's just making sure your project is delivered on time and within its budget, Sockeye Inc. is the company to turn to. As a high-level executive responsible for making key decisions every day, you need trustworthy counsel that will help make your great ideas a reality. To learn more about Sockeye Inc. strategic consulting services, visit SockeyeNorthwest.com or call Sockeye Inc. founder Joe Vaughn at 503-780-3032. The website is SportsBusinessRadio.com. Here's a guy who doesn't get nearly enough pub for being a really great guy. NASCAR driver Jimmy Johnson, he donated his $349,561 check from winning last weekend's Nextel Cup Pet Boys. Auto 500 to the American Red Cross to support relief efforts for the California Wildlife Relief Fund. Tremendous gesture on his part. Absolutely. And another story out of Boston. Last year, I remember, a Chicago furniture store said that they would give free furniture to Chicago Bears fans who purchased furniture during a certain period of time. If the Bears made it to the Super Bowl, we see the same thing happen in Boston this week. A furniture chain by the name of Jordan's Furniture Chain promised free sofas, chairs, dining tables, and other furniture to Red Sox fans who purchased furniture between March 7th and April 16th if the Red Sox won the World Series. About 30,000 orders were taken. Obviously, they don't have to pay it all back. They took out an insurance policy, but uh, is this a trend maybe? Yeah, I mean, they're getting some good publicity. Uh, shows like ours are talking about them, but uh, good thing he took out an insurance policy because a lot of people took advantage of that offer. And at that point, you had to think there was a pretty good chance that the uh, Red Sox were going to be uh, going far into the postseason. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. Larry Miller, the president of the Portland Trailblazers. Jeff Ma with ProTrade.com. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Joe Vaughn, and Doug Zanger, our sponsors. Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and ProTrade.com, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast anytime you want. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. Again, guys, I'm taking the Patriots over the Colts. Nathan, quickly. Patriots. Bobby? Bobby's taking the Patriots as well, so it's unanimous. If it's not the Patriots, uh, we're all going to look like a bunch of bozos. And I guess picking against uh, Peyton Manning at home, that's probably not real Tom Brady's going to have four touchdowns. All right, I'm Brian Berger. You have a terrific week. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com.